Welcome to the SBCA Podcast Component Connection. Looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields. Welcome, everyone, on today's podcast brought to you by the Structural Building Components Association, which is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. We are going to talk about culture. Making small changes to your company culture over time takes patience and diligence, but completely transforming your culture, that takes a heroic act. My guest today is Chad Johnson, owner of Trust Components of Washington in Tumwater, Washington, and he's going to share why his company decided to take this idea to the heroic act. Chad, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Sean. It's great to be here. I'll try to make sure my cape doesn't rustle too much while we're talking. I appreciate that. It's okay, though. If you have to leap over a tall building while we're doing this, you go right ahead. (laughs) All right. So let's start at the beginning. You've been with your company for a number of years, but you didn't start as the owner. Can you briefly share your career with the company and how you became the owner? Yeah, I started out back in uh, 1990, as a matter of fact, as a part-time laborer out in the yard at what was then a sister company to Trust Components of Washington. And my first job was operating a forklift and picking out lumber for the component saw. Kind of enjoyed being outside and... Over time, I worked my way up to running a a metric cut saw and then eventually a timber mill component saw. And over over the course of a couple of years, I would work part-time while I was going to school and then work full-time during the summer and ended up working my way up onto the jig tables, then a jig lead, and always kind of looking at what was the next opportunity. So... If you're working in the shop, at least the way I saw it, the next great opportunity was to be a delivery driver. And of course, here in Oregon and Washington, we plate line everything. And so that meant learning how to operate the crane as well. So that was a lot of fun to learn. And I did that for a couple of years, but also looking for that next opportunity. When a design position came available, I raised my hand for that and got the opportunity to get trained as a designer and then eventually moved into sales. So that was over the course of about four years to get started into sales. And then I sold for a couple of years at our sister company. And then in 1996, moved up here to Trust Components of Washington, where I continued to sell until 2006, and then saw the next opportunity to become the general manager. The ownership that I worked for was fantastic. Part of The general manager position was getting some stock in the company, which set me up for a future purchase. And so a few years later, I was able to, I guess, be the succession plan. And so in 2018, I purchased the company and now I act as president and owner. Chad, we went from you being a hero and someone who's leaving tall buildings to being the succession plan. That's... This is some good roles to fill, particularly given all the things that you did, right? I would imagine as you look around your trust facility, you still think longingly about driving that forklift around, right? I still do. And I I talk about eventually getting completely away from that aspect. But 
the reality is that about two weeks ago, I wore a tool belt with our swing shift and our wall panel plant for a few days, just helping production get a little bit caught up. So I don't know if I'll ever get away from it completely. Maybe it is one of those things that's unique to our industry that you will have company owners who are still out there putting on the line from time to time if you got to get a job done. Yeah, you do whatever it takes. And honestly, it's kind of fun to be able to, you know, see something that you do with your hands. It's no different than when I started all those years ago, a couple of weeks ago, every few minutes I could see a wall panel feed out and I had contributed to that. And it's really good for morale for the folks that are out there on the line to know that there isn't anyone that's above doing any job. So morale, that's a good transition because really we're talking about culture here. As you had all these positions in your company up through being owner of the company, you had a chance to look around on both sides of that equation. And as you looked around, what did you see or what symptoms did your company experience that convinced you that at a certain point you needed to make a wholesale culture change? Yeah, that's a great question. And there were a lot of factors. One of the things that we deal with in our industry everyone that I talked to is high turnover and that costs a lot of money with all the retraining. We had a pretty high injury rate as well. Our equipment wasn't cared for well. The workforce that we had wasn't really welcoming or conducive to having much in the way of diversity. And boy, one of the things that I really like to do is walk a customer through my plant and show them how we produce the product that they're using every day. And I remember I would have to give the shop a few days notice to give them a chance to clean themselves and clean the shop itself up. And nowadays I don't need to do that. So that was one of the things that I guess just having a sense of pride, turning the culture around to where every single person could have pride in what they were doing, because it didn't appear that was the case back then. Chad, you raised two good points. Part of this is about, again, that word morale. How do your employees feel about the place that they work. And I'm sure that directly relates to turnover or retention. It relates to how they treat each other so that it impacts safety. They're looking out for each other. It also breeds a certain amount of loyalty, right? So you can get more out of them. They buy in more to what your company's doing. But as you pointed out, there's some very, even in those statements, there's some very real dollars associated with that, right? Do you have a sense for just wild numbers, what it costs you every time you had to turn over an employee? Sean, that's a question I should have an answer for. It would be wild speculation. If you figure that just at the base level, the newest entry-level laborer is going to take at least two weeks to become proficient at the work that they're doing, then you could figure that a week or two is wages is what you're losing every time you turn someone over at the minimum. And that doesn't include however efficient they become as they do their job longer and become better at it. Getting back to the retention side of things, not only are you not having to deal with that that turnstile revolving workforce and the cost that's associated with that, but as you pointed out, safety improves because people, because they're sticking around, know how to do their job better, are safer at doing it, plus they're looking out for each other. And that has a lot of implications to workman's comp insurance and all the other things associated with that, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Workman's comp, if you have more injuries than the industry average over a period of time, that can become very expensive as much as several dollars per hour. It really does add up. Not to mention the fact that if you have a worker who is injured and unable to perform their job, 
you're going to have to retrain. You're going to have to train someone else in order to do that job. And so there's some wages that wouldn't have needed to be spent otherwise, not to mention the fact that you're likely going to need to come up with work for that injured worker that maybe you wouldn't be doing otherwise. And so that's going to be an expense for the company. And then more important than any of that stuff is what's the impact on their family? We don't want, we don't want anyone in our family to be injured and it would be no different for them. So it goes, the whole culture aspect goes way beyond just care for each other at work. It's really more holistic. So Chad, given all of that, when you were going into this, did you have a sense for what you wanted your culture to be like once you were done with the process? I, I did have a sense for that. Like we talked about a little bit, I was looking for a culture of safety, wanted to bring the injury rates down. I wanted my equipment to hold up better and I wanted to be able to bring my customers in and show off the plant that we have because what we do here is awesome. Not only did I want it to be a safe place physically, but I wanted it to be a safe place emotionally as well. Bullying was a problem before, and that's been pretty well taken care of. And the barking foreman, that's, I think, traditionally in our industry, from what I've seen for the most part, is you get things done by yelling at people to get them done. And that's not what I wanted to see in our new culture. So I wanted people to work hard because they were part of a team, not because they felt coerced into working hard. Well, okay. So you had a good sense of where you wanted to go, but you also made the decision instead of doing this slowly over a long period of time, you wanted to do this pretty quickly, rip the bandaid off as it was. Why, why did you decide to take that route? So that's a really good question. And honestly, I don't know that my intention was to make a wholesale change all at once. That wasn't the conscious decision that was made. The decision that was made was to make a change. And what I didn't realize is that making a small change could very likely lead to larger changes needing to be made right away or just having the opportunity to make those changes. So when you have a, a culture that attracts a certain type of person, once you start changing a few little things, those people are likely to be alienated and then you're full on. <laughs> There's no backing out at that point. I will say that if you if you're looking to make a culture change, um, you don't want to get part way into it because then you're likely to have a culture that maybe you had a bad culture when you started or a culture that wasn't. I won't say bad culture. You had a culture that wasn't what you desired when you started, but at least you had a culture. And you don't want to get part way into it to where now you don't have a culture and you don't know what it is anymore. Well, that reinforces that know where you want to get before you start. Absolutely. You bet. So reading between the lines there, it seems like you made some small changes and that led to, it's like changing the pH in, a, in the soil or something. Suddenly a bunch of stuff won't grow. Like it's going to die off. It's no longer mm -hmm. going to be welcome and it's clear. And so that just had a cascading effect is what you're saying. I guess you kind of look at it as kind of an irritation when you've got someone who works in your facility and they expect to get away with things and you start holding them accountable to the way that you want things to be. Initially, that's a little bit of an irritation and it generally causes dudes to change, which lead to bigger irritations. I would say that throughout the process of the change, there were a few people that we had to give the opportunity to move on to whatever they were going to do next. And that was the case for sure. But more than that, people just chose that the new culture that we were instituting wasn't 
wasn't for them. It wasn't where they wanted to work. Either they couldn't get on board with it or didn't want to get on board with it, and they chose to leave on their own. So, Chad, last question. Now, you said you didn't intend to necessarily rip the Band-Aid off and do this all at once. It just sort of happened that way. But what was the precipitating event? Like, how did you kick this off? Yeah. So what I recognized is the culture is coming from the top down. So it was me to start out with. And I think that I'm not saying that I was the wrong person to be around or dangerous or any of that sort of stuff, but I had allowed it to continue the way it was for quite a few years. And so the first thing that I needed to do was decide that, that I wasn't going to allow it anymore. Once I had made that decision, then I was able to recognize where the next change would need to take place. And that happened to be in my operations manager. And so I parted ways with the operations manager that I had at the time, went a few months acting as operations manager myself and courted an operations manager from another plant that I knew would be equally yoked with me in facilitating the change. And so I was able to get him to come over. It was actually for him a relocation, which I'm so glad that he was willing to do it. But anyway, once he came over, we spent a lot of time together just planning for what we wanted the culture to look like and then making strategic moves here and there. Things as simple as getting people to clean up at the end of the shift. And some people don't like cleaning up after themselves. So that, that became a bit of a new culture, not, not yelling or swearing or throwing things around. It should be pretty obvious. And the reality is that we were looking for a behavior of a professionalism and respect and care for one another. And so we just started instituting little steps that would take us in that direction. And in the process, we attracted people that that resonated with, and we repelled people that wanted to continue to work in the same environment that they had been working in. Well, we'll definitely get into that more in our next episode. But for this one, Chad, thank you so much for being on this podcast. No, Sean, it was a lot of fun. Hopefully we can do this again. Well, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also, consider subscribing to SPCA's Component Connection podcast on whatever platform you use most. That way, you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. On our next episode, Chad and I will explore the outcomes of his company's culture shift. This has been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SBCA. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com.